Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty, and I'm still a medical doctor simultaneously trying to pursue a career in acting. My guest this week is Scott Butler. Scott worked in the video game industry, but not as an actor, as an animator and programmer, and now he has transitioned into acting. And he has an incredible story to share with you all and some really cool experiences that he's had doing a lot of character work. And I'm not talking about character acting. I'm talking about character monster work. Please enjoy Scott Butler. This week's episode is brought to you by the Thank you everyone for tuning in and thank you Scott for being my all this festival is near and dear to my heart. Last year, my charity, charity merch and fundraiser is still and I'm ongoing. doing it again this a year. I will be in one of the six of plays. The play I have to ensure that the, the charities that I'm I am playing for, seven this is a different characters, so it will be seven going accents forever and always. So head on over to my merchandise store. I'm going to make a complete fool out of myself. It's going to be the best time. Store. There are six it's in the show notes, like I mentioned, one for and check out all the merchandise the I have for sale. There's a with one act opera, a stoner comedy, a funeral going home to so the five much charities. The theater festival runs July 12th my to the 23rd at the Five Points Theater in Barrie. So tune in next week for another episode of Second Barrie. Do a little road trip from Toronto and come see these wonderful shows, all written by local Simcoe County playwrights. You can get tickets at online at www.theaterbythebay.com backslash festival. Links in the show notes below or old school call the box office you get into this acting business? It's kind of a weird story. Uh, so I've been a video game artist uh, all my life uh, for a very long time. I, I was offered the job when I was 16, but I took it when I was 17 because I was still doing my exams. My mum was like, you need to finish your exams first before you can do any of that. So I got into games at a very young age and I've always had a very active imagination and working in games, of course, you know, always fires that imagination. You're creating characters, you're creating worlds, you're creating stories and stuff like that. Um, and then uh, in 2001, I, I flew over to the States to see a couple of old friends from England that had moved out to the States a few years prior. And I thought, I want to see the US. I've never seen it and all that kind of stuff. So I come to see them and I'm like, wow, it's an amazing country. And I couldn't believe I was, you know, I was in San Diego and it was sunny on November. And I was like, <laughs> what? Sun in November? We're lucky to see sun ever in the UK. <laughs> um, and it was just like lovely. And then I went back and... Um, uh, actually, sorry, I jumped forward a little bit. I was actually offered an interview while I was there visiting. And uh, ironically, both of us, you know, myself and my two friends, had all ended up at the same company, different countries. I was art director at PlayStation in London, and they became uh, programmers at PlayStation in San Francisco. And then that office split to San Diego, so they kind of like made two offices and they moved down to San Diego. That's how I ended up there. And uh, so I said, yeah, sure, I'll check out this interview, <laughs> whatever, you know. So I went to the interview, cut long story short, I got it, got the job, and then I was like, oh my God, I'm moving to the US, this is crazy. Moved to the US in 2002, the following year, and uh, in 2008, I got laid off with the recession, mm. because, you know, 
mass layoffs and Sony had to get rid of like half their people, even though PlayStation was doing very well, they had to sort of make it like a even sort of layoff across the divisions to try not to sort of, you know, make it too sort of controversial, I guess, for like, you know, certain, like the electronics were doing really badly, but the games were doing really well. And then um, I thought, well, this will be okay. I'm sure I'll be fine. At that point, I've been working for 20 years in games. I thought, you know, I'll find a job. <laughs> but it was, I didn't realize how bad it was. And then uh, um, a few months into it, I was like, wow, this is crazy. Uh, okay, is there anything I want to do while I'm sort of looking for work to sort of keep myself sane, you know, that kind of thing? And then uh, I thought, you know, I always wanted to try acting. I always thought about it as a kid. I was interested in it, but nothing ever happened. I did a nativity play. I'll tell a short version. It's just kind of funny. I did a nativity play when I was seven. And the girl who's in the play with me, I had a big crush on. She was like my first crush. And I was playing the role of Jesus, which is a big role. Big role for a first time, right? And I'm wearing the tunic, you know, for the outfit. But it's about a foot too long for me. I'm just a little kid, you know? And we had this little wooden stage, it was about 20 foot wide, polished wooden stage with stairs either side of it. And I run up the stairs to do my first line, super excited, but I trip on my tunic. <laughs> and I fly and land on my belly, slide across the stage like a seal, went down the other stairs and underneath the principal's chair, who then shouted out, bellowed out in front of the entire audience, all the parents, Mr. Butler, get out, get out from underneath my chair henceforth. And everyone burst out laughing. And I was nicknamed Flying Jesus for years after that. <laughs> it's a true story. Um, his name is Mr. Perkis. I remember him very well. And uh, so I jokingly say in interviews, that's the reason why it took me a full, like almost 30 years to get, to actually get the courage to get back into acting again because it ruined it for me. But no, it's not the truth. Um, no, I just kind of never did it it just never happened and um got into games very young and enjoyed that and that was it you know but yeah so i decided to try an acting class anyway i find one on google i didn't know anything like what is sag after you know acting classes san diego that kind of thing and the one i found was literally right around the corner from where i got laid off and i was like "Uh oh i hope nobody sees me going in there it's gonna be weird (laughs) so i drive down there i go upstairs to this little office where this class is just to audit it, just to see if it's any good. And I put my hand on the door handle, and I'm like, what am I doing? This is crazy. You know, time I'm in my mid-30s, and I'm like, oh, this is stupid. What am I doing? I've got a career. This is, this is crazy. So I left. I didn't go in. Drove off for about half a mile, and then I thought, no, you're the type that checks everything out. So I turned around, came back, and that was it. If I hadn't done that, shh, wouldn't have met you, wouldn't have been doing all this crazy stuff. So... That's how I got into it. That's the beginning. To get into video game, like the the artistry of that, were you a very creative kid? Yeah, I was. I was always doodling at school. I remember that because I was always getting told off for daydreaming. <laughs> I was always I was either doodling or I was staring out the window, imagining like dragons and spaceships flying around in the sky. I was, I'm, I'm still very geeky. I was a very geeky kid, um, but yeah, that was me. I was. Uh, I was always trying to escape somewhere, sort of more interesting, you know. Were you encouraged by anyone to pursue a more creative career? There was a little bit of it in my family. So my my dad was always very creative. Um, he uh, would often draw, like, really great drawings, like like really nice stuff, like cartoons and things. But it was just 
for me, you know, for my sisters later on probably, and just for fun kind of thing. He didn't do that as a career. He owned a printing company. And uh, when I told my mum, my, my parents are separated, I told my mum about, um, you know, this games uh, job offer, which, which I was kind of talent spotted, by the way. I, I didn't sort of just apply for it. Um, uh, she was all about it, ironically, even though she's not the creative one of my two parents. You know, she's always had sort of very sort of very straightforward jobs, receptionists, you know, working at stores and things like that. And my dad was the one that I thought would be all into it. And he was like, oh, no, son, that video games, beep, beep, beeps, beep, you know, crap, <laughs> is, is, uh, is, is, gonna, is a fad and it's going to be gone in two years. And I was like, oh, I don't know, dad, I kind of like it. It's interesting, you know. And uh, he had admitted to me, you know, years ago, that he's like, I was very wrong about that. The games industry thing actually did take off and it was very good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think I got it a bit from him because he was always like creating stuff. Like he built me a little go-kart out of wood and some wheels from a, a, a pram, as we would say, I guess a pushchair or something or whatever you say in America. Stroller. Stroller, yeah, yeah stroller. Um, and, uh, you know, he's always making stuff and... Uh, you know, I think I got it from him. Yeah, I was always like creating stuff. And you get talent spotted at 16. Yeah, so when I was 15, I joined a local computer club because at around 11, I got my first computer and I was loving it. And I created my first piece of digital art when I was 11. And it was a goblin walking along with a ball and chain behind him. And I didn't have a paint program at the time, so I did it in, in code, and I typed out all the little pixels in, in code, in binary, and then uh, made it animate. And um, the sad thing about it was that I didn't know how to save code, because this computer used a cassette recorder to mm -hmm. load programs. It's very old. <laughs> I'm showing my age now. <laughs> I know but, what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you do? Okay, oh, good. Yeah. I, don't feel too, I don't feel too bad then. Um, but I didn't know how to save it to cassette. So I had to just enjoy it for a couple of days and eventually I had to turn it off and I, I lost it. Oh. But, um, but uh, yeah, so I, my friend, a friend that I made uh, when I was about uh, 13 or so, he said, you know, when I was about 15, he said, oh, there's this computer club that's literally across the road from where you live. I mean, literally, you just walk across the road and there it is. And um, it was at this small sort of local hall and you bring your computer. You put your computer in a bag, you grab your monitor, you take it across and you just hang out with other kids that were playing games and, you know, some are copying games. <laughs> but, uh, you know, playing games and stuff. And what I would do is I would draw artwork because now I had a computer at that point when I was 15 where I had a paint program. I could save my stuff, which is great. Revelation is amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, I would sort of make like mock game graphics, like, you know, made up shoot 'em ups and made up sort of, you know, bosses for games and stuff. And I also, um, this is the eighties. I also hand painted, um, uh, a copy of Madonna's true blue album cover with her leather jacket over her shoulders and the Marilyn Monroe haircut and the red lipstick. And I, I painted that and, um, he thought I'd scanned it cause it looked the same, you know? And I says, no, 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 it's hand painted. I literally put the inlay, the cassette inlay card on my knee and just kind of like, just, kind of kept painting it like this you know and he was like wow that's really cool this uh this random sorry this random guy came up to me in the club didn't I hadn't met him before his name was steve and uh he said do you want a job and i was like in games and i was like i don't know i work at safeway he's behind the register i don't know anything about that you know and he says yeah you're really good we're starting a new company himself and his uh, partner gary um 
you know, they, they sort of partnered to start this company. And went home and told my mum, and she was like, oh, I don't know. Is it any good? You know, what's the pay like? What sort of thing is it? You know, where are they, where are they at? And yeah, it just sort of started from there. Oh, that's so cool. 33 years ago. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So you work still in the gaming industry. I do. Right? I yeah. do, yeah. There was sort of a gap for a bit. Um, sort of a gap. I say sort of because I was still doing freelance work. But when I got laid off from Sony, um, I hadn't done freelance in the US. And I wasn't particularly that savvy at like where you get it. I didn't know about Craigslist. I didn't know about like these sort of freelancer websites and stuff. So I was still trying to figure it all out. And also, because I'd been an art director and art manager for such a long time, I didn't actually have much new artwork that I'd create myself because I was the person managing the team and running the team, a lot of administrative stuff, a lot of like approving art, that kind of thing. So it was a bit scary because I was like, oh my God, my, my art portfolio is really ancient. <laughs> you know? I don't know if you play games at all, but like I think the, the newest thing I had on there was uh, a game that was big at the time in 97 called Croc Legend of the Gobbos. And it was a PlayStation 1 game with a green crocodile with a backpack jumping around on platforms to save these little orange fuzzy critters. And it was number one for a while, and it did really well. But um, that was that was ancient, because that was now, at that point, 11 years old. And uh, in games industry terms, that's a long time, because, you know, graphics get better and better. So, yeah, it was a little daunting. So to answer your question, I did stay in it, but it was it took me a while to get sort of freelance work. And then once I did, I started getting a bit of momentum. But, you know, it took a little while. And then... I didn't get back to a full-time job, and that only lasted six months because the company started having problems, until 2013, which is a huge gap, you know. So what I was doing, I was, like, you know, acting, like, like hardcore, and, and then just doing whatever freelance jobs could come along, you know. But the reason I, I went sort of so crazy about acting once it started off was because I had a lot of people tell me, because I started at 36, I had a lot of people tell me that, you're going to have no success. You're starting way too late. Way, 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 way too late. You should have been in your teens, your 20s at the worst case. And nothing's going to happen. And I'm I'm really stubborn. <laughs> somebody tells me, when somebody tells me no, I'm like, screw you. I'm going to make this happen. You, know, you can beat that out, sorry. <laughs> I'm, st- I'm from London. I have pretty bad language sometimes. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I just sort of thought, no, I'm going I'm to have a go at this. I'm going to do everything I can, you know. Yeah. Tell me about the mindset shift that you had kind of driving away from your acting class and then coming back. Like, what was that? Mm. Do you remember kind of in your car what you were thinking? Yeah, because um, what I just left was manager of art development at Sony PlayStation. You know, sounds very fancy. But it was just a nice job. It was just a nice job, you know, and, and I enjoyed it. And essentially, you're, you're, you're like art director overseeing a team and <clears throat> running a sort of whole art department. And, uh, you know, you're responsible for multi-million dollar games to some degree. You know, your team has to come in on time and do everything right. And, you know, it falls on you if it doesn't, right? So a lot of responsibility. And uh, I just thought, you know, the acting world, I'm generalizing a bit here, but the acting world obviously... A lot of people sort of say, ooh, it's a bit of a fool's game. It's difficult. It's crazy. Nobody makes any money. 99% of people fail, that kind of stuff. You know, <laughs> it's, it's very sort of doom and gloom negative, you know, about it. But, but the reality is it's actually not like that. It's, it's difficult, yes, but it's not, it's not quite that crazy. 
you know, you've got to work hard to make it work. If you if you don't put in the effort, then yeah, you'll see very little results. I think. But um, but yeah, to answer your question, I just sort of thought like I had this. I hopefully still have this good career. You know, if it continues to go at that time. And uh, will people think this is ridiculous if I ever? I wasn't really into social media. I had a Facebook page just to sort of share barbecue pictures with my with my neighbours. <laughs> I had like five followers on there, but um, at the time. But uh, you know, I thought, oh, I don't know if because it's you know it's a reputation based industry, and you know you often get jobs because people you worked with before sort of say, hey, I'm working at this new company, and we're looking for somebody you're interested. You know. Um, and I just was a bit worried about what that would entail, you know, jumping into something so sort of out there. It was like, ooh, film and TV and acting and stuff. Um, but there's more to that, that that I'll tell later on. But there's, you know, especially living in L.A. and working in games, there's a bit of a different perception because of different cities, right? You know, even though San Diego is only two hours south, it's it's a bit more sort of cozy, calm, sort of more more normal. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah. Tell me about yeah that first acting class experience, like walking in there after Ugh. deciding to come back. It was nerve wracking because I was under the impression that I was just there to watch, you know, just sit in the back row as far away from everyone as I can be, and just sort of take it in, like you know, all right, how do what the class formats like, you know, what the teachers are like what the students have to do, what they're like, you know, what the, what the actual classroom is like, you know, just to sort of like see what, it, what, what, what it's all about, you know. Um, the nearest I got to an acting class before that was I went for one day to drama class at school when I was 13 and I was absolutely terrified. You know, all these kids were super confident, like, la, yes, um, check me out, I'm amazing. And, and I was just this little shy kid, like, biting my nails, like, oh, no, I'm leaving, I'm out of here, <laughs> this is crazy. Um, and it kind of felt a bit like that at this class, to be honest with you, because I walked in there, and, you know, I was a little sort of a little sort of beaten down from the layoff and all that kind of thinking, oh, sure, what's going to happen here, you know? So I walked in there, and they were very welcoming, very nice. And the teacher was very, very sweet. And he says, oh, welcome, Scott. Shook my hand. But I could tell he was an actor. You know, he, was, he had that sort of little, little moustache and the, the beret. And, you know, he was, he was a little sort of larger than life. And I was like, oh, interesting. Not so I met people like this before, you know. And, uh, but I come in, very, everyone's very nice. I sort of, you know, made sort of small, small talk with a couple of the actors, you know, sat in front of me who had been at the class for some time. And uh, so he starts the class and he's like, all right, let's have a couple of people come down, do some warm up exercises, let's do this. And welcome, Scott, you know, who's here to check out the class. And I was like, hi, you know. And then um, uh, later on, he's doing a scene sort of exercise, just like a one page or something. And he's having people come down and read it. And then he says, Scott, why don't you come down and give it a go? And I'm like, no, 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 no. And I start sweating. You know? and I'm like, oh, my God, no, 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 no. I can't do that. I'm sorry. I'm just, I, I, he said, and then everyone turns around, of course, and looks back at you. and's like, come on, come on, give it a try. And I'm like, oh, no. And, of course, you feel pressured. And then I sort of walk, I remember walking down the steps, and I was like shaking, quivering. And I grabbed this page. And he says, just just take your time, do whatever. If you, if you mess up, just go back and try again and no worries. And by the way, this is an on-camera class. 
they had uh, two or three cameras with VHS tapes recording, you know. <laughs> and uh, you watch it back on this monitor and people discuss, like, how people did it, you know. So you get critiqued as well. And I was like, you know, by the students as well, which is crazy. And um, so I do this thing and I'm literally just like, it's like a waterfall coming from my head. I had to keep blinking because all the sweat in my eyes was like, and I was just, the page was shaking, quivering, and I was like doing these lines and it probably sounded terrible. And, um, but then I got through it and everyone was like, hey, well done, you know, clapping, sort of being very supportive. And the teacher was like, great job. All right, very well done. Okay, you can go back and sit down. We'll take a look at the tapes at the end once everyone's done their thing. And I sat down and I was like really, really nervous. I can't even describe how bad it was. But there was something about it that was interesting. It was something, I think partly because it was different. It was something that I'd never done before. And uh, also that it was... Uh, it was a way of expressing myself a little bit that I, I've never done before. Because I always had a lot of sort of like buried things, you know. I think as we all do, we all have a lot of things that we, we go through in life. And uh, even though the subject matter wasn't something that was about me, you could sort of relate to some of it. And you could sort of like, by expressing it and sort of acting it out a little bit as badly as I did at the time, um, there was something therapeutic about it and I enjoyed it. And... Uh, and I, 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 the other thing too was that while I was at Sony, I often had to do presentations to my team, and I had, you know, at the time like seventeen artists, and I was always terribly nervous about doing presentations, even though I was very confident about the presentation itself, like what we were presenting, why we're doing things, what we're going to do, that kind of stuff. And I sort of realised, huh? I wonder if this acting class thing, if I did carry on with it, would help me with that, and it definitely did. Do you notice any other skills? Like, I, I would think, like, obviously, like, the acting class helped with the presentations you had to make in your um, in your prior, well, and current career, right? Anything else, anything that you've noticed you've brought in from your career in the video game industry the, into now the film industry? Yeah, actually, recently, last year. Um, uh, I'm jumping forward a heck of a lot now. <laughs> but this is, this is a very good question. Um, I, uh, before like, the thing last year, which I'll mention in a minute, I did a film, uh, I think it was 2017, with uh, some, a friend of mine had asked me to, you know, if I wanted to be in this film. He was like, oh, you're great in this other film. We're having this other film that we're doing and we need somebody. And, um, excuse me, it was playing a sort of an, a really unusual role. I'd always played, um, char- you know, human characters up until that point. And uh, and that sounds strange because like what else would you play? <laughs> but this but this film that I was in wasn't really a human character. I mean, he's humanoid. I mean, obviously it's me in you know you know outfit. But I had a mask on, you know, and you couldn't see any of my facial features, so you had no way of expressing yourself other than through your physical, you know, body and your shape and your the way you move and everything. And he's a supernatural character. He's one of uh, three characters that are summoned by the devil to pursue this girl to take her soul and I uh, I found it interesting and there was zero lines well no it's not quite true there were a couple of lines but they got taken out and they put like weird sort of creature sounds in instead they sort of dubbed it but it did have lines originally and I remember there was this one one scene where you know we're setting up and then they're like alright so you and one of the other masked guys are going to come in on frame, chase this girl, 
and she's going to say something and then she's going to duck behind this glass door and then lock it and then she's going to be talking to you through the door and you run up to the door hands on the glass kind of banging at the door trying to get in pulling the door handle but it's locked but then you switch from this mode of like sort of having been beaten by her going through the door to then backing up and letting her know that actually we've still got the upper hand and there was a way that I did this where, and I, it's just weird because I never sort of done anything like this before and I just sort of came up with it. And I think it might have been sort of slightly inspired by sort of games because and, and, I've done animation in games too, where the character sort of backed up, again, with a mask on. So you can't do anything with the face. You can't be sort of like, I got you. You can't do that because it's all covered, you know. But I walk back and I just sort of slowly raise this arm up like this and then kind of open the finger up like that and pointed. And then she goes what and then she turns around and one of my other guys is behind her in the same room and she's like oh shit you know and that's oh no i'm not in, i'm not i'm not safe you know um and when i sat down after that scene i just sort of thought that was kind of fun very imaginative very unusual and i like horror movies this is a horror movie of course and uh i just thought wow that was interesting huh then we did some more scenes and i just sort of had fun with it and anyway Fast forward, a year ago, I booked this really great film called Hypochondriac, which just came out in theaters um, and VOD. And I submitted for it on Actors Access. So the reason I'm mentioning this is because when you submit on Actors Access, you're just one of tens of thousands, if not more, people submitting for this role. It's like an open call, essentially, except that you're not actually like an open call everyone gets to audition <laughs> like like you know america's got talent or something you, you still have to get accepted to audition and um i didn't get an audition but i got a phone call from one of the producers and they says hi i'm i'm one of the producers on this film hypochondriac you submitted i see that you've done some mime stuff and i had i'd done some mime training at that point uh, about a year or so before and i found that fascinating because i thought I thought you know maybe i should try seeing what i can do with this sort of like physical performance thing and um so I said, yeah, that's right. I, I have done a bit of that and uh, it's really fun. And I've sort of done a role like that before. And, and he said, are you available? And I said, uh, yeah. And I wasn't sure if they were like offering it to me on the spot without an audition and I was, or, or just they were checking to see my availability, you know. And then I said, can I get the director to call you? And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, um, here's my number. You know, obviously the same number, just give me a call. So the director calls me up and he's like, hi, you know, I just wanted to sort of get to know you and sort of find out what you've been doing and, are you available? I was like, yeah, available. <laughs> and, uh, and then, uh, and he says, all right, great, great, great. This is great. And I'm like, do you want me to audition? Do you want me to send something? And he's like, I don't know if we need that. Um, I said, and this is the only time in my acting career that I've ever done this where I've been, he was offering me the job essentially. And I asked to audition for it which is, that's never happened before. And it's risky, because, like, you know, you got the job, but then you could lose the job, right, <laughs> if he doesn't like it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> which is weird. So, so I've, but I, I thought to myself, you know what, this is actually a fairly, to me, large-budget production. This is a really great story. This is also a story that's personal to him, the director, writer, producer. It's a story about his life and what he went through. And, you know, sort of dramat dramatized based on that. Um, and, um, but I felt compelled to, to do something on tape and send it to them and see if, like, I'm even in the ballpark of what they're looking for, you know? So 
he said, uh, okay, I think he'd never had that before because he's, he'd been working in film quite some time and I think he'd never had an actor request to do audition for it even though they booked it. So I went off and I, I searched in my closet for um, uh, any kind of mask I had and I had uh, a silly sort of Halloween mask, like a rubber sort of, like a leather face thing with like a stitches across it. But the reason I put that on was because then it forced me to, because the character has a mask on, it forced me to not rely on my facial expressions, right? I have to do everything convincingly from, you know, the neck down. Well, not, new, not also with head movement, but not, you know, with facial expressions. So I did this really weird tape. <laughs> it was like three minutes shot against this blue backdrop with sort of dramatic lighting of me just like making up all sorts of stuff. And I didn't have the script, so I didn't really quite know what what the role was but I just made up a whole bunch of stuff sort of doing sort of like weird sort of like you know twitches and sort of like you know, kind of movements and sort of like postures and stuff and I just started thinking to my my games career about how I would take a character in a t-pose and then sort of pose them and have them sort of walking along a bit like my original goblin from when I was 11 years old you know and then just kind of like I thought it's interesting. I never thought about this. Instead of anim- animating a character on a screen, animate yourself. And then I was like, huh. And I did this weird video that honestly, if I showed anybody, they're like, okay, there's something wrong with you. I think we need to call somebody. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I was like doing like drawling and crawling around on the floor and sniffing and all sorts of crazy stuff. And I sent it to them. And then there was silence oh, no. for a while. And I was like, oh, shit, I lost it. Damn it. But I sort of still felt proud that I decided to do that, you know. And then uh, I can't remember if it was like the next day or something. Because it felt like forever. I was like, uh-oh. Because when you send something in sort of a bit bit crazy, you immediately feel like, oh, did I go too far? Did I do too much? Is this a bit weird? Do you think I'm, I'm, I'm nuts, you know? Um and then, uh, then I get the call and I said, uh, so what did you think? <laughs> and they're like, it was really, really creepy. Is that good? <laughs> they were like, perfect. It's perfect. You're hired. And I was like, oh, thank God. So yeah, that, that role that I did, um, to explain it, uh, it's a story about a, a young man's, uh, mental breakdown. Um, because of uh, something he endured as a kid from his mother, who was also having going through uh, something, um, and he, the character that I was playing is uh, a man in a wolf costume. Not supposed to be a wolf. Not supposed to be just a man. He's a man in a wolf costume, and he is a hallucination essentially in the mind of this young character, and he is uh, tormenting him through his journey throughout the film into a deeper and deeper spiral into mental illness. And it it tackles the subject very, very carefully. Um, Yet it has, you know, visual sort of imagery of how that might look to how you feel, right? Sort of putting that on screen of how you feel. So the character I had to play was not just sort of a, a creature role, but it was also you know, uh, uh, depicting this character who's being played by Zach Villa. Um, his, it's himself mirrored, but it's also 
showing the, the build-up and the strength and the chaos that eventually ensues over an arc throughout the film of his mental illness getting stronger and stronger and stronger and unattended and left alone and, and left to grow and, and becoming more and more of an issue. And so it was a very, very weird role, very challenging and super, super fun. Um, and I just, it's one of those roles that you come back from when you've shot, you know, you finish shooting and, and you're just still buzzing with energy for like weeks, you know, you can't sleep because you're just sort of like, wow, that was so creative and so interesting. That sounds fantastic. And uh, as an aside, you said it's available for, um, and we can find it now. I'll, I'll, I'll find it and I'll put some links if people want to see it. It's interesting because I think I have a couple things that kind of I thought of in my mind. As somebody who learned me, as somebody who learned kind of acting technique during the pandemic, and I took like Second City's improv, like conservatory, all online, where you're acting kind of in this Zoom box, right? And then I got into like, imp- I'm in an improv group, which we're now in person. And suddenly I have no idea what to do with the rest of my body because I've just, I've, we've become so in these little squares. And I think probably as we get older, we come less and less attuned with how our body is moving in space and awareness of, of the physicality. And so I actually, I took a, a motion capture, like an intro to motion capture class you know, thinking, sure, motion capture would be really fun to do, but mainly because a lot of it was mask work and not relying on your face. Because, yeah, like film and television acting, they want, like, as still as you can possibly be. It's all in the eyes. Yes, less, less is more. Less is the more. The camera's sensitive. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Where stuff like this, I find... Yeah, the film and TV acting is so can be so invigorating and creatively stimulating and buzzing, like you were saying. But there's really something about when you can get your whole body into a character mm. that is very unique. And I yeah, I love what you were saying. Like yeah, I you I feel like I am on a high for days afterwards. After I feel mm-hmm. like I can get that physicality in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's the, there's a rush to it. There um, is. I mean, even even with um, with creature performance, which is you know very sort of in the same world as mocap. Yeah. Um, I did mocap class too. Was it Mind's Eye? Uh, no, it was um, mocap vaults. We have a. Oh, I have to look that one up. Yeah, okay, cool. they're in L.A. Um, yeah. And I think it's so. I don't think I do know. It's Richard Dorton. Is okay. the, yeah, so he does a lot of the characters, but he uh, like a lot of video game stuff. But they have a mm. Toronto studio, um, oh, wow. and the head is cool. um, his name is Pascal Langdale. Mm, he's great. He does a lot of like labin and like movement and stuff. It was it was like fascinating. I had yeah. yeah, fascinating. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's a whole new world. I mean of of stuff you can learn, but yeah, it's like uh, even with all that stuff, there's still that need uh, for a lot of the, a lot of it to still do less is more like there's it's it's sort of knowing the full range of what you can do with your body like it's very easy in a creature role like you know the man in the wolf i've got i've got you know i've got a wolf head on with like dripping fangs with blood i've got a matted fur like weird mangy sort of costume i've got like furry claws with like long claws and you know like talons and everything it's very easy to sort of like go rah, rah, kind of thing, right? Like you would as a kid, right? In Halloween. 
But, you know, you've got to think about what is the character and what does he actually do internally and let that go from inside out rather than outside in. Don't try to think I need to move my hands around and I need to do this because that's going to look interesting. Otherwise, I think I'm not going to do anything, right? You've got to sort of think, like, what what is it that is going on in this character and how does that sort of bleed out into his sort of, you know, arms, hands, feet, everything. Like, it's not even just hands and feet. It's like your shoulders, you know, your your, your neck and all sorts of stuff. And every every part of you needs to be involved to some degree. At least be sort of, even if it's not, even if not every part is involved, it's at least sort of considered. Like, you might be like, okay, this character doesn't move their head. But I have thought about it. There's a reason why I'm not going to move the head, but I'm going to move everything else. Right? Maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe you're like a, a Cenobite on Hellraiser or something, you know, and it's like he has this sort of like brace around his neck, thus his head wouldn't move, you know, and but but I, I can move with, you know, everything else. There's other things going on which sort of looks creepy because now you've got this sort of almost like disembodied head and this other thing that's going on below, you know. Um, but with the wolf, you know, um, some of the first things I was trying out, by the way, I met with the director in the park with my mime teacher, Lauren Eric Sam is one of the last students of uh, Marcel Marceau, the famous mime artist. And, um, and it was a fascinating day because I was in the park with all these families, like having little picnics and stuff. And there I am crawling around on the floor, like going, ah! you know, just doing all this shit. I must have, I must have freaked out. I'm sure they, they called the police at some point. I don't know. But, uh, but the director's standing there, sort of look at me, like crawling around the floor and wearing gloves and stuff. So I don't accidentally like hurt my hands with any broken glass or stuff on the, on the grass, you know. And, um, and he's sort of like, yeah, I'm, yeah. That looks good. <laughs> it's like, you know, you just you're sort of like, I mean, I'll, I'll just come up with a bunch of things and I guess, you know, we'll sort of figure it out. But, um, but you know, I was doing sort of small things like sort of, you know, little sort of micro twitches and stuff and just sort of like thinking about like how that might build up as this, this sort of the chaos is rumbling inside. We ultimately didn't quite use that, but we sort of let the um, actions that the character had and the look, the look of the character, there's actually, there's, there's a couple of costumes. The costume became more chaotic looking sort of orange glowing eyes, black burnt fur and all sorts of stuff, you know. Um, so we sort of let that sort of speak for itself and what was going on in the scene. So the, so that we ended up sort of reducing the role down to sort of quite a small amount of uh, movement. But there was one scene in there, I don't want to give it, to, give it away because people should go see it, but there's a, film, there's a scene in the film which a lot of people have talked about because it's super weird, super bizarre, very dark, and also quite humorous. And it parodies another film. I'm not going to say it because it will give it away. <laughs> but just watch the movie. You're, 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 when you get to it, you'll be like, oh, that's the scene he's talking about. Um, without trying to give it away. I interact with the main character, Zach Via. And the director sort of just said to me, while he's doing this thing, you're sat, you're sat behind him, interact with him. You know, sort of do what he's doing, join in. But then at some point, you're going to slit his throat and just sort of figure out how to get there, you know, which is, you know, it's a, it's a lot of like, you know, weight on me. It's like, all right, I can't, I can barely see. I'm looking out through pinholes, you know, in, in this in this thing. So I've got very, very small vision. I can't quite see what he's doing or where he's at. I have to kind of look like really specifically at what he's doing to try to see where his hands are and everything else. And uh, at some point, you know, one of the uh, crew is going to 
push the blood pump to do the, you know. And it's a one take because, of course, it goes everywhere and it's going to mess all his clothes up and everything. You have to get it perfectly on time. And we spent a whole, like, hour just setting up without giving away what I was going to do because it was all improvised. But sort of figuring out with the person doing the pump, the uh, the VFX uh, specialist, to sort of say, when I get to this point, you know, this is probably when I'm going to do it. But what I, I said to her, her, like, how far down the pump handle does it start to come out? And she said about 20% down. So we had to, like, choreograph this thing where it's like, all right, as I see you grab the handles and I'm already at this position, you pump, I go, right? So that we, we match timing. And it was extremely heavy like responsibility like if, if i mess it up i'm in big trouble you know and um probably take like an hour plus to reset and cost a, lunch, a bunch of money you know but thankfully it went perfect you know but the whole improvisation of it was super weird and i just thought this is the first time the man in the wolf costume who sort of mirrors will's you know descent into mental illness is actually physically sort of touching him and what I'm going to do is I'm going to sort of merge my character into him, almost like we're sort of making love in a sense. So I had my sort of hands, the claws and the talons sort of sliding over his shoulders and sort of working up to his face and sort of like pushing his face over, almost like, you know, we were, you know, making love. And, and then sort of like that whole sort of contrast and sort of climax of like, this seems sensual and, and gentle and and soft and caring, but then you know <laughs> it sort of jumps to that thing and then surprises everybody and they're like holy crap wasn't seen that coming you know so i did this i did this whole thing and it was you know it's like um like a minute two minute and a half scene or something and then when we did it we did the whole thing and then it was cut uh addison hyman the director came over with his little sort of wireless monitor thing and he just was jumping up and down. He was like, that was crazy. That was beautiful. I love it. And of course, big sigh of relief. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, he was like, wow, that was great. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, moving on, moving on. And I was like, took the head off, had a drink of water. I was like, hey, you're right. You know, Zach. <laughs> um, but it was, that, that was, that was a rush. Um, and that was actually, I think the last, I think that might've been the last night. So, of course, you know, I couldn't sleep that night. I was like, ah, that's crazy. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. That's so, wow, what an experience. That's amazing. Can I ask about, so building up to not just this role, this very physical role, but like kind of where you are now from that initial acting class that you're going to be observing, but then you weren't. What did that look like for you? What classes did you take? What was kind of your path? Mm, yeah, so uh, back then when I did the class, I, of course, stuck to the class and decided to keep myself in it and keep going. And I, I found myself after about, uh, probably about two months, sort of starting to get a little bit comfortable. You know, I was still very nervous. It was still, you know, terrifying. But, but it was, I was starting to get control of that nervousness and, and you know, le- learning to use that nervousness in the roles. Like, you know, if you feel a certain way going into an acting role, is there a way I can convert that energy into something good rather than something bad? You know, like is the, maybe the character isn't nervous, but he is scared of something or he is worried about something or he really wants something, you know? 
Um, so I started to learn how to sort of control that energy um, and use it. And I think, I have to be honest, I mean, I was the only, I was in San Diego for about two and a, two and a half years before I moved to LA doing acting. So about two and a half years there. And I was the only British actor I ever met in the whole city. Well, I didn't meet myself, but you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, I was the only one I, I knew of. Um, so I think I was sort of a little bit, I have to be honest, I was a little bit of a sort of uh, a different thing for people. So people were like, oh, a British guy acting and saying, it's interesting, you know. Because it's very sort of indie, small film community there, you know. It does, it, you know, it's quite active. Um, and uh, I, uh, I, I started to sort of meet a few people and I found a st- uh, San Diego filmmakers thing, like meetups where they have this sort of little building and they meet up and they people come up and do talks and stuff and you get to sort of mingle with filmmakers. And you just started to sort of meet a couple of people and you inevitably get one or two people come up and say, yeah, you're, you're interesting. I was, actually got this little short film I want to do and you know, maybe you might be good for the part. I never thought about him being British. That's interesting. But um, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that was uh, quite near the beginning. This was... Uh... So in the class, first day, I met this guy called Cody. And we're still friends today. We're still really good friends. And he's a lovely guy. And it was his first day too. So we were like first day buddies, sort of like, we're both nervous. Let's be friends, you know? <laughs> let's, let's, let's uh, you know, sort of like be, be scared together, you know? Um, and uh, uh, we, we were very, very like, after a few weeks, we were very, very sort of excited and, and you know, extremely naive about this industry. And we both said to each other, ooh, wouldn't it be cool to like get like a, a line on a TV show or a movie, like a feature film, you know, within one year of doing this, within one year since we started. We said, let's try and do it. Let's try and make it happen, you know. And uh, I actually made both happen, which was interesting. Um, the TV show was one of the first ones. I'll tell you that because it's actually a funny story. And this was one of my very, very first jobs. Um, I got an agent within three months of acting. And I didn't know that was actually quite a difficult thing to do because <laughs> I had this sort of guy say, oh, yeah, I heard about you. You're really great. Um, do you want to be your agent? And I was like, yeah, all right. That sounds nice. You know? <laughs> and then he's a nice guy um, in San Diego. And then I guess I, at some point I went to class and sort of said, oh, yeah, I've got an agent. And they're like, you got an agent? What the hell? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't know. So just called me up, you know. And then... Um, so he calls me up and uh, he said, uh, I've got you an acting job. And I said, but I didn't audition for it. And he goes, yeah, it's fine. I, I, I talked them into it. You, you've got it. And I was like, oh, is that how it works? You just sort of get it? You know? <laughs> like, and he, he's like, well, not typically, no, but this, 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 these guys liked you or something. So um, I, I'd only done like a couple of student films, I think, before this. That's about it. Um, and uh, so he said, it's at a restaurant. It's a commercial for the opening of this restaurant, right? It's a local restaurant. It's just about a mile and a half from you. It couldn't be an easier job for you. And it pays 200 a day, which is kind of good, right? So I was like, yeah. He said, it's two days. And you're play- well, all I know is you're playing a bumbling waiter. And I was like, well, that sounds like no acting required because I've never waited a table. I'm going to be terrible at this. So it's perfect, you know. Bumbling is my thing. Yay. <laughs> it's on my resume. Special skills, bumbling, you know. <laughs> um, so... Uh, I get there and I'm like, 
even with my sort of lack of experience at that time, I sort of thought, this look doesn't look like a commercial. This looks bigger than a commercial. There's like tons of film trucks and equipment, loads of crew, loads of people. But then I didn't know. I thought, maybe it is a commercial. I don't know. And then uh, there's a young girl who's also with... Uh, he's, he's, um, he's her agent, too. And he sent her as well. So there's two of us doing this job. And she's playing waitress. I'm playing bumbling waiter. And the producer comes over. And I says, hi, I'm Scott. Nice to meet you. I'm, I guess I'm you know, here for the role or whatever. And he says, yep, great, great. Yep, okay, put that apron on. Put the shirt on. Okay, you're looking good. Perfect. And he's got like his earpiece in. And he's sort of running around like crazy, you know. And I sort of tried to ask him, I said, uh, just real quick, uh, I don't have like a script or anything, or I don't know what the premise is. And, and he goes, uh, I can't talk right now. Sorry, hold on. And he runs off and didn't see him again. I was like, oh, God. And I, I said to the girl, I said, I don't know what we're supposed to do. I'm a bit worried, you know. I don't know anything about this. And she says, no, I don't either. And I was like, Ugh. And then we're told to like go wait outside the back of the restaurant because they're setting some stuff up. Just go wait outside for a bit, you know. So we go outside and this car turns up and these older women get out and the, one of the older women says, what are you two just doing hanging out here? Why aren't you inside working? I was like, we were told to stand out here. You know, we, we, were, we were confused, so confused. And she was really angry at us, really mad. I think she thought we were actual waiters and waitresses at the restaurant and weren't, you know, doing our bit, right? So I was confused. I wasn't sure if this was to say anything, you know. Eventually we get brought back in and then the producer says, he grabs us both by the shoulders and kind of walks us over to inside the restaurant itself because we're in like a holding room and puts us in front, behind the bar in front of the uh, point of sale system and says, five minutes, learn it, go. And one of the waiters like, okay, when you ring up a burger, when you ring up a drink, this is what you do, you know. I can't take it in in five minutes. I'm like, holy shit, this is a lot of stuff to this. This is confusing, you know. And then I'm trying to like say, well, are we supposed to do anything? Like, you know, what are we supposed to do? Anyway, so then like he, five minutes later, he grabs us again and he puts the girl back in the holding room and he grabs me and puts, grabs my shoulders and pushes me into the restaurant. And I sort of stumble forward and the, the camera starts following me. And I'm like, uh, okay. And then the, the producer shouts out, go serve some tables. And I'm like, okay. So I start serving some tables and I'm like, oh, of course, I'm doing a terrible job. I'm getting the drinks wrong. They're late. I don't know what to ask. I can't open a bottle of wine. I had to ask another waiter for a corkscrew, which he got mad about, you know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. And then there's one bit where um, the owner of the restaurant, who's this Italian woman, she's really cool, but she's very sort of fiery, you know, got that spirit. And she grabs me, and the camera's on us both, and she says... You told me in your interview two weeks ago that you, were, you had loads of experience in restaurants. You are terrible. The drinks are late. The orders are wrong. The customers are upset. And by the way, this is a restaurant full of customers, real customers, like about 150, 200 customers. And on camera, in the moment, it clicked. I was like, this is a reality TV show. I was like... Oh, this is making sense. I hadn't really watched much reality TV, but I'd seen like a little bit of real world or something, I think. And 
And I was like, oh, I think this is a reality TV show. This is not a commercial. This is way too long, way too much stuff, very sort of dramatic. This is not a commercial for an opening of a restaurant. You know? So in mid-scene, on camera, there must have been this sort of small flicker in my eyes of like, oh, you know. And then I thought, I'm going to have fun with this. And then I went, yeah, I have had experience. I worked at McDonald's for six months. I told you that. And she goes, McDonald's? McDonald's? This is a high-end restaurant. What the hell? McDonald's? You know, she got mad at me. And then she sort of, you know, yelled. And then the camera turned away from us and went to go chase someone else. And then she looked at me and she grabbed me by the shoulder and says, that was great. Do more of that stuff. That was brilliant. And I was like, oh, my God. So they had me do things like the producer said, grab this plate of expensive food. There's a little clearing in the middle of the restaurant, trip and drop it, smash the plate. And I'm like walking through and I'm like, whoa, smash, like, holy crap. And then like, and then, you know, of course I'm like, oh no, what am I? I'm so bumbly, you know, <laughs> I'm picking up the chicken stuff. And, and then she comes over and she's like, you know, what are you doing? Like it's one thing after another. And it's like, I think the chicken's still good. We could probably like dust it off in the apron and put it back on the thing. And she goes, would you feed your dog chicken off the floor? I says, my dog always eats chicken off. The floor. I don't even have a dog, you know, it's making shit up. And then I went over to the table where the older ladies were at. The one who yelled at me, I found out she's the mother of the owner. She thought I wasn't an actor. She thought I was a waiter. That's why she was mad. And she said, you know what? I kind of like you. You're all right. You know, she's like, yeah, you're not very good at this job. I'm kind of confused how a British guy is waiting a table in San Diego. So I, I, on camera, I came up with a random story. I improvised a story. And I says, well, here's the thing. I'm not really very good at booking things or arranging stuff. I booked a ticket to come visit San Diego, but I accidentally bought a one-way ticket. And now I'm having to earn money to pay for the other half. It doesn't make any sense because you couldn't work or anything. But I just came up with this ridiculous story. And I was actually really genuinely hungry because I was out on the floor doing this for hours. And I was actually genuinely hungry. And I found myself looking at this plate of ham, cheese and crackers. And I must have been licking my lips a bit or something because she said, do you want some? <laughs> and I said, and the camera's still on me. And I says, I probably shouldn't. I'm already in enough trouble as it is and just walked away. <laughs> Did you ever figure out, did you ever watch it? Yeah, yeah. A lot of that, fo- a lot of that footage didn't get used because I think they just decided to go with a different sort of thing. Because they they had all sorts of crazy stuff. They had they had like a whole bus of cheerleaders come in, like we're hungry, we're hungry, we want to eat. You know, it was all ridiculous. That's the whole insane. Thing was too much. Yeah, but I told my I told my agent. I said uh, that night. I says, did you do this on purpose to like make me look like you know, sort of like I'm completely confused and bumbling. But I sort of tell him it's a commercial. He goes, no, I really thought it was a commercial. I wasn't trying to like just sort of put you in character or something. And uh, so I went back the second day and they said, actually, we got so much good footage of you. We're fine. Take some crafty. You got the 200 for the second day. Just go home. And I was like, sweet. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. That's an insane story. Yeah. I, I was it. like, what am I doing? What am I doing in my life? Oh, my, this is crazy. <laughs> Yeah, and feature film, just real quick. I got off a of Craigslist of all places. I got off a of Craigslist. Yeah, it was like tennis umpire needed for film. It pays 100 bucks a day, non-union or whatever. And uh, I went along to this little office. And it did sort of dawn on me that they were probably looking for American accent. <laughs> so, And I just thought, oh, Wimbledon, you know, British, you know. So I went in there. And I just did these lines. And uh, 
there was the director sat there, but one of the producers worked on Men in Black. I didn't know until afterwards. It's like, holy shit, you know, to me it was massive, you know. And uh, they all sat there, all these people with all these laptops and things. And I'm just doing the lines like, you know, 15 love, you know, you know match this, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then I walked away and I, I, I know I sort of remember thinking they were just staring at me like sort of like, like that. Didn't expect like this random British guy to come in and I ended up booking it. And I thought it was going to be a little pokey film. It wasn't at all. It was huge. It had like 300 background and about 50, 60 crew and trucks everywhere. And when I drove in, I lined up with the extras, not knowing where to line up. And this, this PA came running over to me and goes, are you Scott Butler? And I said, yeah. And he goes, you're not an extra. Come with me. <laughs> Grabs me and, and takes me over to this trailer. And I'm like, oh, I'm in a trailer now. What's this? This is weird. Getting makeup put. I never had makeup put on before, ever. They're putting all this stuff on my face. And I looked in the mirror and I thought, I look like a plastic doll. I look weird, you know. But then, of course, on camera it works, you know. And I just, uh, and they gave me the wrong lines. When it, five minutes before I was supposed to shoot, all these lines, just me, with three, 300 background behind me, right? One of the PAs goes, oh, my God, we gave you the wrong script. We gave you the wrong lines. Here, here's the new lines. And all these 300 background are all chatting and stuff. And I'm trying to, like, be in a bubble and learn all these lines. And I'm... I'm yeah, terrified like oh my god I've got to get this down this is so crazy thankfully they ran out of daylight so they ended up shouting up to me Scott we're going to shoot it tomorrow and I was like oh, <laughs> but it was a great film it was originally called Smash but it got renamed to 16 Love and it's oh, on Netflix for a long time I think I've heard of that yeah I think I'm a tennis based rom-com rom-com yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah very Lindsay cool Shaw. that's awesome yeah. do you have any advice for people who might be interested in pursuing acting kind of later on in life or after another job? Yeah. Um, there's a whole bunch of things. I mean, uh, one thing I tell a lot of people, and this is, this is also to younger people too, is if you can try to have your financial situation as far as like money coming in to make you sort of sleep at night and have the bills paid, try to have that sorted out outside of acting because you know, even though I've been doing this a long time, money can be very up and down, right? Um, the good thing about that is a number of things. Obviously, you sleep well, right? <laughs> you feel better. Um, you sort of feel a bit more sort of like calm and confident that things are okay. Um, but also, when you're going into an audition room, uh, the thing you don't want to do is sort of come off desperate. You don't want to come off like, oh, God, I really need this gig. You know, this gig pays 300 a day for several days. I really, really need it. Even if the main thing is that you love the role, you love the project, and you are genuinely, genuinely passionate and interested about the project, if there's still that little part of you that's like, but I really need the money too, <laughs> they could smell it a mile off, you know, I think. And, and when you come into the room, you know, if there's sort of like, yeah, let's try it a different way, or, mm, you know, you see anything sort of like, a little bit sort of, uh, not sure. You know, if you're sort of like, oh my God, oh my God, let me try something else. Is there, is there anything you're looking for? It's like, oh, what about, what if I did this? And, you know, something else. Um, you know, you just got to sort of be calm and confident because the problem is, is that when you do that, I think it shows sort of your nervousness coming out. It shows your sort of insecurity. It shows your sort of like not being calm and present. And, and I think that they worry about that because if they book you and you're on set, they don't want you sort of freaking out like if a take doesn't go very well or, or before even doing a take, you know. Um, so 
there's that. Uh, I think for people uh, later in life, just go for it. Just go for it because anything's possible. You know, um, I, I know people that have started it much later than myself. Um, met a lot of people over the years, and there is a need for everyone at every age, all the way from newborn. I mean, literally, I was watching a show the other day. I think it was a uh, House of Dragons. The newborn baby, the newborn baby, and it was like, wow, they got a SAG after credit at that age. That's amazing. They're never going to say they started too late, you know. <laughs> it's like, wow, network credit, and you weren't even like, you know, in diapers yet. It's like it's crazy. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, there, there's always a need for somebody, um, and uh, the main thing is, don't give up. Work hard. I know everyone says this, but it really is true. Work hard. Just keep going at it. Don't get, you know, beat down and sort of think a rejection means I'm bad because 99% of the time, the rejection, honestly, isn't because you did a bad audition. It's just because they were looking for something a little different. Like, oh, the other character has dark hair. That's going to be a bit confusing. He looks a bit like him. You know, we should go with somebody maybe with lighter hair or different sort of features. Or the, oh... He reminds me of my ex. <laughs> I hate my ex. I don't, I don't want. I don't want to employ him. <laughs> you know, I dated a British guy once. He was awful. You know, um, uh, you know. Just there's, there's a myriad of reasons why you might not get a role. You know, um, I think. You know, I, I've I've been on the opposite side of casting. I've I've um, been a reader for casting directors, which is fascinating. I really recommend it to all actors because you get to see thirty, forty people come in and do the same role. And you really get to see a range of how people come in, not just when they're reading, but also how they come in, how they present themselves, how how they how they sort of you know either do or don't light up the room or engage the room. You know, I think you know auditions are more about winning the room than winning the role. You know, and uh, I, I I recommend that to anybody of any age. Do that. It's it's hugely enlightening. You know. Um, I saw everything from the super confident, suave, Hollywood, slick guy sort of come in and go, hey guys, how's it going? Yeah, I think I'm good. I've got no questions. I think I'm good. You know, kind of doing this whole thing. And the other guy was like, hi, um, where do you want me to stand? Uh, uh, is this okay? You know, kind of thing. And it's amazing how, like, everyone's different. Sometimes the guy who was nervous is the one who kicked, blew it out of the park. Did an amazing job, just transformed. And sometimes it's a slick guy who sort of like didn't do a very good job. You know, he's overacting and stuff. And, you know, it's fascinating seeing all those different versions. Um, but just keep at it. You know, I've been doing this 13 years and I've definitely had my fair share of sort of ups and downs. Um, you do have to have a bit of a thick skin. You have to build that up. I really do think so. Um, I think a lot of people that I know who have started acting that I've met, like when they're starting, they oftentimes leave because they can't handle the rejection. They get really beat down when they don't hear something back, you know, or they don't get it. They really thought they got it because they thought they did a good job and then they don't hear anything. And then it's like, you know, most of this job is rejection. Like you do 50 auditions and maybe you book one or two if you're lucky, you know, um, especially when you're doing like union stuff, you know. Um, so, you know, when I started out doing the non-union students and shorts in San Diego, I was booking one in five. And I was like, this is great, you know, this is cool. But of course, once you move to LA, bigger market, more competition, you know, bigger projects, right? You're talking about like real stuff now. 
um, that that changes. And with self-tapes, it's changed a lot too. With self-tapes, it's weird because I've had more auditions with self-tapes, but I've had a worse ratio of booking because instead of seeing 20 or 30 people, because that takes time to bring them in, come in the room, have the chit-chat, do the scene, have the little bit of chit-chat at the end, and then leave, they can now go, you know what, let's get 200 tapes for that role now because we can literally swipe through them. Go, nope, yeah, nope, yeah, nope, yeah, nope, you know. And so you feel good that you got the audition. You're like, ooh, this is cool. But then, you know, at the same point, you're now one of a lot more people that got an audition. So the, so the odds are changing, you know. But it's still good to have a shot. I think I, I, I still say, yes, it's a little bit more sort of difficult to book those tapes, but at least you're getting a shot. Now, I know a lot of people are like, well, self-tapes are bad. You know, it's, um, you've got to be in the room. You sort of win the room. You know, you create a connection. I do agree with that. I think that's a major part of it. But I still think, you know, you can still do something with a self-tape. You can be a little bit creative in your slate, a little bit, you know, sort of show your personality somewhere. Um, and also you get to pick your best take, you know, <laughs> put that in. So there's, there's pros and cons both ways, I think. Do you have anything you're looking forward to? Coming up. Yeah, a, a friend of mine that I worked with a long time ago, one of my first films, we've, we've started talking again about doing something. And we have a, a script that I got sent this week that I'm starting to look at. And we want to kind of start creating some of our own stuff. I think, I think in this industry, um, you know, you've got to consider at least the idea of making content as well. I think you know, producing is also, uh, has a number of benefits because, you know, not only do you get to sort of be a little bit in control and make some stuff yourself, you know, but also you get to learn things on other sides of the set, you know, and I think that's a good thing. I think that the more things that you can get involved in on a set, like, you know, being behind the camera, you know, maybe directing a scene, even if you're just shooting like a 30 second scene with a friend, you know, um, and then, Maybe you're doing the sound. Maybe you're editing something. You know, you're learning a bit of Adobe Premiere or DaVinci Resolve or something. You know, I do. I, do, I try to do a little bit of everything, and I think that you you tend to broaden your sort of understanding of how it all works, and maybe why. And you get things that click. Like, oh, now I sort of understand why that film that I did a couple of years ago, the director seemed a bit stressed out about that one particular thing, and it's like, oh, I kind of understand it now. You know. I think the more you can sort of be clued in as an actor on set and understand like how the jobs work and the weight of them, I think that can be beneficial. Absolutely. Do you have any final words of wisdom? No pressure. Have fun. <laughs> oh, don't, yes. Have fun and don't and don't don't compare yourself to other actors, even if they're sort of in your age range or type. I did that at the beginning. It was a mistake. You know, I, I would... There's a guy that I met years ago when I was only like a year into it. And he's very good. Very, very good. And he had this role on this massive film. Small role in a massive film. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. You know, and his career has exploded since then. I mean, he is... He's known. And, uh, you know, in the early years, I was like, oh, wow, I'm so left behind compared to that. You know, it's like... it's. Uh, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Because everyone has a different path. And and also, the path that you think you're going to have, more often than not, isn't going to be the path you have. 
you know you sort of think like i'm going to be the next tom cruise or i'm going to be the next whatever and the reality is is that life and how you mature and grow up and what what things you find interesting sometimes you find interest in things that you didn't think you would find interesting and the thing that you thought you'd find interesting you kind of think that's eh, kind of boring you know <laughs> like i'm like huh creature performance is cool that's exciting i never thought that before you know um you just don't know where it's going to go and i think the only way to stay in this business is a to try to build up a little bit of thick skin and realize that it's not always your fault that you didn't book it right almost always never secondly enjoy the journey of it and don't worry about the goal don't even think about where am i going to be even 6 months or a year forget about you know the end result just think about today you know i wake up on a weekend and i'm like huh i've got the weekend to myself i don't have much to do Maybe I'll get this camera set up and then got a blue screen. Maybe I'll shoot a scene and I'll like learn how to composite something in the background and put like a background in there and learn about lighting and stuff and, you know, and just kind of like enjoy that day and, and see where it takes me. And then if it's good, I'll post it up and somebody might go, that's interesting. And then you make a connection and that leads you to something else, you know, enjoy the journey, have fun. Thank you everyone for tuning in and thank you Scott for being my guest this week. Everyone friendly reminder that my charity merchandise fundraiser is still ongoing. I've paired with a wonderful merchandise supplier of things uh, to ensure that the charities that I'm fundraising for, this is a rolling fundraiser. So it will be ongoing till forever and always. So head on over to my merchandise store www.janetmcmorty.com/store. It's in the show notes below and check out all the merchandise I have for sale with 100% of the proceeds going to the five charities that me and four of my guests have selected. I hope you will all tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye. Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadewer. Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancys, Judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye! Bye!